listeners, welcome to Costume Station Zero. Um, today I have with me Ewan Anderson, who's a really good friend of mine and is probably well known on the cosplay circuit for doing some superlative 11th Doctor work. Uh, now Ewan, uh, you pretty much have most of the major uh, range of costume for the 11th Doctor, don't you? Uh, yes, it's like a sickness, I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> the cosplay disease. Yes, yes. Uh, you get one costume finished and then you're like, well, I kind of have most of the bits for doing another one. I guess if I just get this one extra piece, like then I have the second costume as well. And then you kind of keep going from there. You get the itch. You have to keep scratching it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh -huh. Especially with, with Doctor Who costumes where you have like one doctor who you especially enjoy, you kind of get into that. Like you, you want to keep doing their costumes, but you want to do something fresh. So you wind up going on to move, do a different costume, pick up different bits and, yeah, it. Uh... <laughs> I completely understand. I, I more than understand. The problem is there's so many doctors, there's so many variants, and oh my gosh, I, I, I feel almost bad for anyone who do, does the uh, the companions and how many times they change costumes. And so Fortunately, on. all of it comes from Topshop, though, so it's pretty inexpensive. <laughs> well, well <laughs> depends on uh, what age, isn't it? Uh, secondhand market does tend to go up, but uh, yes, we can reserve that for a companion uh, Amy and Rose uh, podcast. <laughs> So what would you say your first costume was? This can be Halloween or cosplay or both, whatever you want to answer. The first kind of costume that I really took seriously was my Obi-Wan Kenobi costume mm -hmm. from um, the Star Wars prequels. Um, the Ewan McGregor version. Yeah, exactly, guy. exactly. And that was one that I kind of like, and that was kind of how I got into this whole kind of like world of costuming. Because I kind of done my original one, which was like a, a karate gi that had been stained with tea uh, to get into <laughs> that right kind of like neutral color uh um, tea staining sorry yeah i and uh, like i had some like super cheap like fabric remnant that i made some tab arts from and i got like a brown belt and tied it around and some white pants done <laughs> got it um and that was that and there was one i wanted to start kind of like improving that costume that I kind of went online and i like found some better patterns and i made another version i found some like closer fabric from joanne's and found out about that you know like wow there's places you can go and buy all this fabric um <laughs> And then from there, kind of found a, 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 a community online that was dedicated to Obi-Wan costuming and, like, learned a bunch of stuff from there and then did, like, a third version and from there, like, went into the RPF and, like, that whole thing. And so, yeah, that was kind of really what, like, led me into all of this. And what year would you say that would have been? 2005, 2006, because it was, like, just after Revenge of the Sith came out. That that clicks much better. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, that's right. Because I've been doing like kind of upgrades, um, you know, over the years. And then when I got to 2009, that was the first year we went to Comic-Con and, you know, we wore those costumes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what would you say your most common misidentification has been uh, in a costume? Um, Misidentification is... uh, Usually from wearing the 11th Doctor costume to uh, the wrong kind of event. Like, we, we, we talk a lot about, like, picking your audience and, you know, wearing it to Comic-Con, totally fine. Wearing it for Halloween, uh, yeah. totally I had uh, one guy who uh, was like, oh, are you the Rogue Professor? <laughs> and at that point I was like, um, the Rogue Professor? Like, Who, who's is that? that? Like, yeah, he's the Rogue Professor. You don't know him? He's a I'm professor. Inspector Space Time. I'm like, but. He's a professor who's gone rogue. What is yeah, it's, His unconventional teaching methods have caused him to be thrown out. The university system. Now he lectures by his own terms. Bucking the system. (laughs) So so the rogue professor. And then uh, I also had one person uh, on the same evening be like, Oh, you're the PC from the PC Mac commercials. Nice. Um, Which I was like, wow, yeah, that's... um, People yeah. have to. People have to though put you in a box. They have to yeah. identify you. They, they, they gotta like work it out. Somehow. Yeah, they do. They really do. They have to. No, I found. Well, not everybody. There's a lot of people at Halloween things where if they can't figure it out, they're gonna put a stamp they think works. And even if you correct them, if they don't know what you're correcting, like if they know, then they'll go oh, and then they'll rebox you. Yeah. But if they don't know, then it goes over their head, and you're still whoever the heck they just pegged you as. And you're like, great. And you're like, well, <laughs> you know, hand me, hand me that beer then. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the rogue professor and the PC guy. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think if I ever start like a uh, costuming fan page, it will be called the rogue professor. <laughs> dude, I, I love it. I love the name. I love the character. I'm already, I'm already thinking of ways to use that. That's rogue professor fanfic. Oh my God. <laughs> dude, uh, we're, we're putting this into our Gallifrey skit for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, if I need an alias uh, after honorary doctor, it's going to be the rogue professor. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we have to credit this random person you met at a Halloween party. Yes. Uh, so what would you say was your best experience in costume? Um, can I have two? Sure. Because one, um, definitely getting to meet uh, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan at Comic-Con. 2011? Um, 2011, yes. <laughs> this is where uh, Bob, me, and uh, a bunch of friends managed to uh, sneak past Comic-Con security to uh, barge in on Matt and Karen as they were trying to leave a panel. <laughs> oh, no, they were leaving the signing. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. And the security people kind of tried to, like, fob us off. And we're like, no, 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 no pictures. But then Matt and Karen saw us like, oh, you guys all 11 doctors. Oh, that's so great. Can we get our pictures taken with you? And we're like, yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and even the BBC people like kind of kowtowed after me going, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and those pictures are like all over the BBC websites. Yep. <laughs> the next couple of days. Yep. Um, so that was amazing. And then also doing uh, our Gallifrey skit this year um, that we did, uh, bumping into uh, Toby Haynes in the, uh, in the halls of the Marriott afterwards and uh, having him compliment my uh, performance as Matt. That's um, right. That's skits. right. Yeah. Um, that was a huge moment for me because, like, obviously he's spent a lot of time with me and a lot of time, like, seeing the performance and kind of. So, so yeah, getting that compliment from him was kind of a big deal. That skit was a lot of fun. And actually, yeah, that. So, not only is he really complimenting the costume, he's complimenting your embodiment of the character, which is, is taking it to the next level, but is always, always a rewarding when you get it. 
uh, yeah, he was a really cool guy. Um, we, we chatted off and on about stuff. He loved my Tom Baker, too. He, he just seemed really happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, um, it probably happens for a lot of directors or writers or people who are, like, you know, kind of very much part of the Doctor Who world. But, like, I don't think he would, like, go to Comic-Con and get the same reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not that, I mean, obviously he's a great guy and like very talented and like he's worked on Doctor Who and Sherlock and all these other shows. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I don't think he would get like recognized and, you know, kind of the, the same kind of reaction, um, as going to like Gallifrey and being very Doctor Who based and everybody was so stoked to see him. And he seemed very like, wow, I kind of can't believe everybody's so, uh, excited to talk to me and was very, very humble about it, but like. Just the nicest guy to talk to. Completely, completely great guy. Next question would be, what is your worst experience in costume? This could be something funny or embarrassing or traumatic, whatever you're willing to share. I think, like, the the, the worst, like, experiences I've had with, like, costuming are just kind of, like, the, the kind of the flip side of, like, having all the fun at the convention is that, like, you know, haters online. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, kind of, I've seen, like, pictures of me in, like, various costumes kind of going up on websites and, like, you know, people just, like, thinking you're not going to read it and, like, being insulting or, you know, kind of, like, saying, you know, rude things or whatever. And, yeah, it sucks. Like, it's not cool. And it kind of, you know, can take you back a little bit. But you just kind of need to be aware of it when you're when you're part of this hobby. You know, it's going to happen. You're referring to kind of the armchair critic quality? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had that. And then I've also had people just being an asshole. <laughs> people like just being like outwardly rude about like how you look in the costume. I see. I so, see. so it's yeah. not like criticizing the, uh, yeah, the, the color of the brown on your tweed. It's... Yeah. It's like actually criticizing you. <laughs> mm. Cool stuff. Right. So, well, you know, you're right. I mean, that's the bottom line is you put yourself out there. And unfortunately there's some negative that goes with the positive. But um, usually the positive should outweigh the negative, and if it doesn't, then, you know, hey, then that's going to obviously affect your enjoyment. Yeah. And, and, you know, unfortunately, like, I've been lucky enough that my enjoyment outweighs that negative by, you know, tenfold, and so it's something I'm going to keep doing, keep enjoying. Perfect. Well, which is something I, I hope you do as well, and hope we all do, actually. Anybody in this hobby should definitely be enjoying it and having fun, because at the root of it all, that's what it's all about. Now, a lot of people who do costumes usually are always uh, pushing a deadline to a convention or you're taking on a challenge or something really, really crazy, maybe. Do you have what you would call uh, a most challenging uh, costume or something that caused you the most stress? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I made um, a uh, I made Mal's brown coat from Firefly yeah. um, for a costume. And uh, I kind of, I, I, I found a frock coat pattern and I like, you know, cut and rearranged all the pieces to match like the way that his is built and I've like poured over the reference pictures I made a, a test one out of cotton all seemed fine, got my sizing down got my pattern sorted uh, bought a bunch of deer skin from eBay and I was kind of trying to do this a little cheap and so I think I got kind of like the you know not as great um, <laughs> leathers for, for making this uh, put it on my sewing machine and my sewing machine would not go through the leather <laughs> ouch and everything was like cut everything was ready to go and I was like two weeks away from Comic Con I was like how do you do this so I had to like buy a hand stitching leather all and I stitched the entire coat by hand oof yeah learning curve yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah like once you've kind of got it down you can kind of just zone out and do it but oh my god it just takes so long <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, would you would you say that probably was uh, more involved in knitting a Tom Baker scarf? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't like to say because I imagine that's his own kind of <laughs> you know, mountain to climb. Yeah, <laughs> but it was certainly yeah not something I'm eager to repeat. I see. Yeah. Well, hey, but you you made it over the mountain, right? Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made you stronger. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the most useful uh, tip or advice you could pass on to a costuming newbie? Um, I guess two things. Kind of one, think about casting. Like, think about you know, kind of like how you are going to look in that costume. And um, and there's two schools of thought to this. One, which is like you know, don't worry about it. If you like the character, just go ahead and do it. And the other is like try and kind of pick your characters you're going to cosplay as as being somebody who you fit a lot better. Um, and I think like that, having that kind of fit really kind of like pushes the costume to the next level because you can have an amazing costume, but if you're, you know, kind of like much bigger, much smaller than, than that character, like you're not going to get quite the same recognition or kind of the, the look from the costume as, as you would do otherwise. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something to think about. And then the other thing is, um, if you think that this is a costume, you're going to wind up like trying to do kind of as nicely as you can do that first because I've gone through so many costumes where I've been like you know I kind of like this character I guess you know, like I'll just throw together a quick kind of budget version sure sure oh wait actually I could get a much nicer jacket if I do this oh no actually well there's the screen accurate stuff and I could get that and like you just buy everything like four times <laughs> and you yeah. like go through like iteration and iteration and iteration of your costume it keeps dragging you back in <laughs> yeah like, I think like that's one of the nicest things about like being able to find like uh, you know the screen accurate pants and the screen accurate jacket or whatever because you're like I am done <laughs> I do not have to buy this again <laughs> one and done yes. yeah oh, I, it's it's a good motto to have if you can afford it or you're willing to wait to save up to afford it uh, yeah yes I, or in my case it's just the the acceptance of the this is something you want to do to the best of your abilities <laughs> right because every time i like trick myself into uh you know like oh this will be fine i'll just do this one kind of on the cheap and like get it together really quickly mm -hmm. never happens yeah i understand yeah more so <laughs> more so i understand um are you working on any new costumes right now uh well yeah um I'm kind of working on the uh, one of the season seven costumes for the Eleventh Doctor, um, the uh, rather natty uh, purplish frock coat that he's wearing in um, uh, the uh, Jenna Louise Coleman announcement picture. Uh -huh. um, I really like that. I think it looks really cool with the uh, with the vest and like he's still wearing the G stars and the boots and uh, it's a really kind of like it's a nice kind of like Victorian meets modern era. Um, kind of 11th Doctor-ish costume. More of a throwback to the classic Doctors again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked very much like a classic Doctor costume. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really into that. So I'm working on that, and then I'm also working on a low-key costume from the Avengers movie. Nice. Um, that is super fun, but is taking me a while. <laughs> now, specifically, There's, which which costume from the movie? Um, the uh, the um, kind of when he first arrives on Earth, um, not the fully armored one, but the um, the one where he kind of has like the the um, the leather like over jacket, and then the um, the kind of nice like bronze like arm armor. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, that's that's been it's been good, but like it's definitely been. 
there's a lot of sewing involved. <laughs> right. So I've been focusing on the armor parts for now, and I've like learned about like fiberglass casting, and like I sculpted a lot of stuff out of clay, which I hadn't done before, um, which has been really cool. Um, but the, yeah, there's just a lot going on in that costume. So you'd say this has been a real teaching uh, costume. It's made you yes. learn a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Absolutely. That's awesome. And would you say your favorite character to cosplay is the Eleventh Doctor? Yeah, I gotta say, like I, I, um, I, I, I have a, a tenant suit, which is it's a great costume. I like wearing it. But yeah, I think the Eleventh Doctor is like my favorite. He's so kind of like energetic and like weird and interesting and like it's just it's it's so much fun and like people really get a kick out of it that's awesome so yeah what would be your favorite convention for cosplaying um i think uh two very very different cons that i love in like different ways um obviously uh san diego comic-con is like you know the biggest there's always so much stuff going on there there's so many different costumes and you know like loads of great people coming out for it like that that's you know kind of like the the you know kind of biggest and very kind of like fun convention but i also love the the gallifrey convention the doctor who one which is kind of almost the complete opposite of comic-con it's yeah. very small it happens in the uh, the basement of a hotel but everybody there knows each other everybody's so passionate and mm -hmm. People get into the the really obscure Who costumes, which I love. It's the place to bust like, out obscure. If you're gonna do an obscure Who costume, like this is the it's the place. Like um, there was one guy uh, who was there this year who was um, the master from Curse of the Fatal Death. The, uh, the <laughs> yeah, Dalek the Dalek chest bumps. bumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just hilarious, and I kind of like shook his hand every time I walked past him. Because uh, you couldn't wear that to Comic Con. No, like, like you would get like one or two people who would get it, mm -hmm. and they would love it. But yeah, like I think everybody at Galfrey just wanted to buy him a drink because <laughs> anyway, he was cast really well as well. He looked a lot like Jonathan Price. He did, he did, um, mm -hmm. and he just he really rocked the whole thing. Yeah, no, I, I remember a lot of really good obscure uh, Who costumes, um, uh, like I think Mags from uh, Greatest Show in the Galaxy, mm. and um, a lot of Red Kangs. Yeah, the Red Kangs, uh, the, the, the the Cork from uh, you know the Dominators. Yes, um, some fantastic stuff, and and you just it's like just again it's that fan love. You go, oh, that's so cool! <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. And uh, well, exactly. the two people who did uh, different versions of John Pertwee and Drag. That's right. <laughs> From uh, uh, what was it, uh, the Green Death? When he did the different disguises, I think. Yes, believe. yes. Yeah. Um, one where he's like the cleaning lady. Yes. Um, the milkman. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's funny because if if you don't know that episode, you might think they're trying to do some YMCA thing. Yeah, but actually they're not. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's 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 good to, to rock the obscure, and it really is two ends of the spectrum, as you said. You're going from the mecca of geekdom and very kind of a corporate feel to this very homespun fan love convention like yeah. Gallifrey. Although Gallifrey is is quickly growing. Yeah. Um, but it's still I nothing on that scale. Matt Smith. Let's start at the beginning. Um, uh, okay. Summer of 2009, the first pictures leaked from the Series 5 filming. What was your reaction to the Matt Smith look? Um, I, you know, my first reaction was, that looks awesome. But you know what? Uh, I don't want to start doing a Doctor Who costume because I'll probably wind up spending a ton of money and doing all the <laughs> variants. Okay. Um, but what, what turned you around on what that? I, I just, it's such a cool costume. I think, like, the, the tweed jacket was a big thing for me because, like, I'm, I'm from Scotland originally and I, I 
used to have like a lot of those like jackets just for kind of keeping warm and it, it's a style that I really like that kind of like very like British professorial sure. um, you know kind of hip geography teacher look that he has yeah um, and all the individual pieces have so much character as well like the um, you know the, the boots that he wears are kind of really distinct there's you know the the pants like they kind of look like black jeans to start off with but then like as you kind of dig into the details they're actually this kind of like fun like houndstooth pattern um, and uh, I think like more more than just the costume it was Matt's portrayal of the doctor that really kind of turned me around about it because I think I had the same reaction that everybody else did where you know you're like ah Tennant's pretty cool but I don't know if this new guy is going to be able to uh, going to be able to keep up and you know of course by the, the middle of the 11th hour you're like Love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he put a very good stamp on it very early, and uh, uh, he, he has a manic quality that's different to David's. Um, and I definitely welcomed him early on when I realized he was a much more classic-feeling doctor, as, uh, you know, I'm an old-schooler, but... Um, There's a lot of trout in his, in his performance. Very much. I know he, he likes to bring that up a lot, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's definitely true. There's the, You can see a lot of that kind of, like, slightly bumbling, but has a plan mm-hmm. um, aspect there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you can tell. Well, what is it? Famously, he says Tomb of the Cybermen is his yeah. favorite uh, classic. Who just as you can kind of tell, David is taking a lot of cues from Tom Baker in his right. performance, and so it kind of tells you who their favorite doctors are and who's kind of informing things, which is great. There's a great story from uh, Stephen Moffat about Matt Smith calling him up in the middle of the night and being like, "Stephen, the War Games is really great." <laughs> Stephen's like, "I know, Matt. <laughs> it is." <laughs> Uh, and yet he didn't know who Dodo was in our photo with him at Comic-Con that he had to ID on Graham Norton. That's true. Uh, I know that when I saw it, uh, I, I was initially a little like, uh, not sure about it. And then the more I did see the photos, the more I kind of took to it. And one of the genius things about the costume, aside from the fact it harks back to this very professorial look, uh, consider the fact Sylvester McCoy himself wore a tweed with the elbow patches mm. in um, uh, the TV movie. Sure. And, uh, of course, the bow tie from Troughton and so forth, uh, was that it's actually a look that if you're not crazy about details, if you're not crazy about accuracy, it's extremely easy and cheap to put together, uh, which is actually kind of nice for both, I think, children and adults who want to do it. And unlike some of the crazier costumes, say, like the Sixth Doctor, where you're really out of luck if you want a good, even halfway decent looking version of that costume. Yeah, if you're putting that together from uh, stuff that's in your closet already, you have a very interesting closet. <laughs> Yes, yes. But but yet, if you're doing the Matt Smith, you might have to just buy a tweed jacket, maybe a bow tie. The rest yeah. you probably could put together from your own closet. Exactly, yeah. If you've got some black jeans and some uh, you know smart shoes or black boots or something like that, I mean, you're pretty much good to go. Right. You know? I think the, the bow tie might be there and the suspenders yeah. would be the, uh, the harder things to get. And even those are pretty inexpensive. I mean, even for the ones that you know we think are the closest to the ones that he actually wears, like... They're, they're pretty inexpensive pieces to put together for your costume. Yeah, and the shirt, of course, is easy to fudge as well. Just get a light striped shirt or even just a, a blue shirt uh, yeah. like he wears in Series 6. And uh, as long as you're all kind of matching doing the blue look or the burgundy look or whatnot, uh, you're pretty good to go. Put on a little hair gel and, hey, optional fez or something, and yeah. you're rocking it. I, I The way I see it is you could, do, depending on how... Um, well-stocked your closet is you could do this costume on a budget of probably 25 to 40 dollars yeah i think yeah and that is absolutely the beauty of the costume is that 
you know, one quick tour around the thrift store and tour around your closet and you're pretty much there. Right. Which I, I do slightly wonder if that was part of the thinking that Moffat or, uh, was it costume designer Ray Holman, I believe? Uh, yes. BAFTA uh, award winning. Yes. Uh, who had in mind when they put this thing together, even though I know uh, famously it's side tangent is that, um, now Matt originally was going to be in a different costume, right? Yeah. The, um, the producers, um, uh, had this very piratey uh, look uh, set aside for him, and uh, they were doing a lot of like costume fittings, and you know they had this big kind of like apparently like Jack Sparrow esque costume. I mean, nobody's mm-hmm. ever seen pictures, but there's there's reports of this, and apparently Matt just looked miserable the entire time. And uh, <laughs> at one point, he'd just been like, um. I kind of have this jacket in my bag I'd like to show you guys. Like, do you want to see if it works? And, like, as soon as he got that on, apparently he was just, like, bouncing around and, like, you know, sonicking things. And and everybody was just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. That actually works quite well. And he's like, and I have another thing. Can I try it with a bow tie? And everyone's like, no, Matt. (laughs) Oh, um... Yeah, okay, cool. That actually looks pretty great. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, so the, uh, the the Harris Tweed jacket, the check one that he wears in Time of Angels, um, Flesh and Stone, and Victory of the Daleks, um, that was the one that he brought with him. That was his tweed jacket oh. that he brought into the... Uh, I knew it was... Uh, I'm sorry. I knew it was an authentic original. I didn't know it was his personal jacket. Um, Apparently, yeah, it was a thrift store one that, that he found. Hmm. Um, and it was his idea for the boat. In which case, we almost need to say that Matt Smith designed his own costume. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ray. No BAFTA for this one. <laughs> I'm sure it was a nice collaboration. But um, all right. So uh, I know that I, I put together this particular version of the costume in my little pantheon of Doctor costumes. Um, I myself stopped at Series 5. So when we get to Series 6, it'll be a much more interesting conversation. Um, I stopped at one Doctor, though. You, oh. <laughs> you stopped at one doctor. I stopped at one variant. Yeah, I, I guess we all draw our lines somewhere. Uh, I could, of course. I have a tenant costume, too. Uh-oh. That's right. Liar. Um, okay, so back to Matt Smith. Uh, let's let's uh, let's get into this costume. So the first costume in Series 5, uh, as I guess we'll go in production order with that Harris Tweed. So as we know... It was a it was a Harris Tweed jacket that he wore. Yes, vintage from what the sixties. Uh, yes, yeah, it was kind of a um, a check design, a Mackenzie two by two. If you uh, know your clan tweeds, um, two button, um, pretty pretty standard uh, jacket. I mean, again, very easy to replicate in the thrift store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really easy to pick up a close enough for this. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly easy to find a nice little sort of fine check. Um, as you say, two by two, or what, what was it initially called? A window pane kind of check? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know I found one almost right away from like a weekend of thrift shopping for about $20 at Iguana Thrift Store in Hollywood. And if we can find tweed jackets in Southern California, like you should be able to find one wherever you are yes. as well. Yes, agreed. Totally agreed. Um, uh, mine I was able to get from um, a company in the, uh, the UK called Montague Jeffrey, who are a menswear shop in Northampton. And uh, one of the guys uh, working in their in their jacket department is also a massive Doctor Who fan, who uh, got in touch with the uh, the Harris Tweed Authority mm-hmm. board, mm-hmm. the 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 High Council of Harris Tweed. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a Doctor Who episode where he encounters <laughs> the High Council the of, Harris of Harris Tweed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take him to task for uh, defecting to Shetland Tweed. Yes. <laughs> How do you know enough Tweed anymore? Um, 
So uh, yes, we had the uh, the Mackenzie two by two tweed replicated, and uh, now sells. Um, you can buy uh, custom to your uh, to your measurements jackets from him, or you can buy off the shelf kind of um, uh, measurements from uh, the Who Shop. Uh, that's right. So if you need it as dead on accurate as you're going to get, you get this nice reweave and you either order direct from them or you order from the Who Shop. Now, is the Who Shop version a little bit cheaper because it's standard sizing? I believe so, yes. Okay. So uh, that's to go super accurate on the Harris Tweed. Your only other option, I guess, would be to find an original vintage version that Matt's uh, was, and uh, that's going to take quite a lot of looking. Uh, good luck on eBay. Good luck yeah. on eBay and good luck in your thrift hunting, and more than likely you'd have to be in England. I, I find that if they source it in England, your best chance is to still find it in England. The chances yeah. of finding it here are very, not I won't say impossible, but certainly remote. Improbable. There you go. Improbable. To say the least. Uh, we want to talk about the Donegal tweed jacket that he wears in pretty much every other episode of Series 5. Uh, yes, also extremely beautiful. Um, and another kind of and another kind of color, color chameleon with this jacket because mm-hmm. um, it's uh, the way it's woven is uh, this kind of like mixture of um, kind of lighter and darker browns with kind of like nubs of kind of almost like an olivey color in there. And so it winds up like the Depending on the way that the episode is lit, sometimes it looks a much lighter brown, sometimes it looks much darker, sometimes it has a very greeny tinge to it. And like, you know, if you if you have the this fabric, you can see like just taking it out in the sunshine, it completely changes color between uh, mm-hmm. like seeing it indoors. Um, we we talk about color a lot actually in in costuming. This can lead us down a whole nother uh, barrel of <laughs> of of laughs and heartache. But um, essentially, uh, yeah, I always recommend to people to. Um, if they can't get their hands on an original, which let's face it is very rare, to really have your reference photos ready in different lighting situations. And always bear in mind uh, potential color correction and so on uh, to get the best color read. And at the end of the day, it really is about the read more so than trying to match the hue and the value specifically. Because especially if you're going with a found fabric, you'll never get dead on. You'll just get it close. Um, And as long as it reads to what we expect it to read, you're probably doing okay. Yeah, there, uh, there's maybe like three people in the world who would notice that it's not, you know, kind mm-hmm. of dead on, and two of them are right here. They shouldn't be busting out Pantone books on you, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but the Donegal is interesting because I actually found that a little trickier to find a decent, um, you know, thrift match too. Yeah, yeah. The um, it it is a really difficult jacket to like find a good match, and again, like you know, there, there's a lot of like struggle on eBay. Um, I wound up having some uh, a couple of different like samples of uh, of Donegal tweed sent over from Ireland to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's some some you can get some like close enoughs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely not as common as the Harris tweed. No, nor is it as common as a standard. Um, uh, how, well, I'm not going to say houndstooth. What is it called? The um, herringbone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Herringbone tweed to me is almost the most common to find in a in a thrift stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so herringbone and, and some kind of fine check, not so hard. But finding a good that that I always used to call it flecked, that flecked Donegal yes, quality. Yeah, that nice kind of like flecky. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a little trickier to find. And actually, I rather like it. Mm. You think, oh, this should be a lot more popular, and it really is, at least not here in America. But anyway, let's get to the big reveal. Now, you found the original fabric. That's right, yes. Um, 
kind of I mean that one was kind of by chance I, I was I was looking for the season six fabric mm-hmm. because we just uh, had been at the uh, Gallifrey convention um, 2011 yes uh, and uh, we just had the uh, the the 2010 Christmas special and I was dead set on finding the uh, the season six fabric that nice kind of like striped right. um, tweed jacket that he wore uh, I spent weeks and months emailing kind of like any fabric mill uh, in Scotland because I assumed that the other one had come from the Harris Tweed like we should you know look into this one sure. I contacted the uh, the High Council of Harris Tweed and <laughs> not, they had not produced it um, and eventually I started just like finding looking for fabric mills in the UK to, to see if I could you know kind of get any anywhere there and uh, I absolutely lucked out somebody was like oh you know what we didn't produce it but uh, you know what I actually know the tailor who made the jackets for the show let me talk to him and find out where he got it and uh, so they turned me on to this uh, tweed specialist warehouse in London called uh, W Bill who um, are pretty much the world experts you know, <laughs> on on all types of tweed, not just uh, not just the Harris tweed. They have the approval of the High Council. They, they do have the approval of the High Council. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe the UN of Harris tweed. I love it. Um, yeah, so um, I spoke to a wonderful, wonderful guy there called uh, Ray, who's been working there since he was like sixteen, and is mm. now I think like in his seventies or eighties. Okay, he's very, very helpful. Um, found not only the season six tweed for me, but was like. You know, I'd, I'd sent pictures in season five, and was like, I think this might be ours. Have a look at this one, and you know, of course, I had that like meltdown moment where I was like, oh, both of them are perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> Double score. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that was great. Yeah, we were able to uh, to to get. You know, unfortunately, there wasn't much left on the roll, but um, I was able to get some. You were able to get some. A couple of our friends were, and uh, yeah, we were able to take that to uh, Taylor and have it made up into a lovely jacket. Uh, yeah, I'm sad to say that although I do have my lovely Donegal tweed right behind me, I, I eye it longingly. Uh, unfortunately, I still haven't made mine into a jacket uh, just because other projects and other other doctor coats have come ahead of it. But it is in the queue, as they say. Uh, and also, of course, I wanted to see how, how yours turned out. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for following people uh, sometimes to let them cut the teeth, so to speak. Uh, uh, you, you get the benefit of making the corrections as well. There you go. There you go. Yeah, but other times you, you just got to have it and you don't care. And if you got if you got to make your own path, you make your own path. Especially when somebody's it's, got to go first. Somebody <laughs> has to go first, and sometimes it's not a popular item, or sometimes it's uh, you know you have a great love of uh, I don't know William Hartnell, and uh, so few people do Hartnell that you really kind of usually are on your own on that one. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was a brilliant find. They now anyone who ever uh, looked at the um, the WB or sorry WB the W Bill site. <laughs> Uh, uh, would um, be able to find Ray's contact information. He's a really great guy. He's very good and communicative. Uh, he is totally, totally on board to send you swatches for free, I have to add. And so many yeah. places actually charge you for that service, and he doesn't, which amazes me. Uh, and uh, they always ship super fast. They're really great. The only hitch, of course, is that these fabrics are not cheap. No. 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 These, be, be very prepared to be paying like upwards of you know, $100, $150 a yard for this stuff. Well, by the meter, in fact. Yes, the meter, which gives you a little bit more, uh, by the way, for uh, us Americans. Yeah, it's not like going to Joanne, sadly, where you can get it for, you know, 10 or 20 bucks a yard. Um, But it is worth it since you are getting the stuff. Uh, The only thing worthy of note at this point, because when did you discover this? About a year ago? Uh, Yes. Yeah, it would be... 
like maybe April of last year. Okay. In that time, uh, they have indeed sold out of the entire original bolts they used uh, for the show for both the Shetland Series Six and the Series Five Donegal. Uh, the they do restock it. They do get a reweave of it, and it's still extremely good. It really looks the part. But if you want to get again very very into minutia, there are some very very subtle differences between the two. Which let's be honest, you wouldn't really be able to tell unless you put them right next to each other. Uh, so you can still order it, but just bear in mind that it's no longer the original stuff, and um, it's going to have a slight difference. But it's still in my opinion the best stuff out there i mean you really can't do better than a reweave from the uh, from the same source actually isn't the donegal hand woven or something the donegal was hand woven and that's why there is no more um it was uh yeah the the hand woven in in ireland um and i believe there's there's like one color of wool that they just cannot get hmm. um to be able to reweave the fabric and i know like everybody's really pushing to get more of this mm-hmm um, cause you know, people want to buy it. W build desperately wants to sell it. So, right. so this uh, one has not been restocked. This one has not been restocked or rewoven. Yeah. And they're basically waiting on the weavers to hopefully, you know, come up with the new, they've tried other, that's right. They've tried other wools and it's never quite come out right. So they're just trying to either wait for it to come back or just find a new formula to get it close enough, I guess. I think so. I don't I, 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 yeah, I, I I have not been in contact with the actual like, weavers or anything like right. that, but I imagine it's not a massive priority for them the way it is for yeah, <laughs> yeah. costumers. Yeah. No, well, this this is the problem. You know, even when you find the source or find uh, you know the holy grail of, of uh, fabrics or materials or whatever uh, you need for a costume, timing is everything. And maybe you have the information, but maybe they've sold out of it. And guess what? When they're sold out, I'll say eight times out of ten, they're probably not going to get it back in yeah. stock. And even if they do get it back, it may not be the exact same stuff. Yeah, which is always a problem. Yeah, and and again, speaking of you know this this exact issue, um, Joanne's had a fabulous um, close enough for this. Oh, that's that right. Was, mm-hmm. uh, looked really really close to the original. I mean, it was a little lighter brown. I didn't have quite the same like flaky appearance to it. Um, and that was great. It was a widely available for about three or four months, as, and it just, <laughs> has just not returned to trend stores. As per typical for Joanne. Um, however, for anyone interested in this uh, close enough, uh, definitely read the Eleventh uh, Doctor breakdown on DW Cosplay, which essentially we're almost kind of going through in an audio form here. But sure. it, it'll get into a lot more of the nitty gritty that we're going to miss inevitably here, and you know, hit you with all the links you need and all the prices. And it does have the exact SKU stock number for this fabric. Uh, even though it's out, I highly recommend people um, call, and I stress, call Joanne. Don't email them. Email, they like to just slough you off. you got to call them. And, um, and their website is terrible yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, call call the stores near you, or heck, even call stores that aren't near you that are willing to ship fabric to your local store and just say, hey, I'm after this fabric. Here's the SKU. Assuming they're not slammed and busy, they'll look it up for you, call you back, and if they have anything, and all you're going to need is about mm, three yards, two to three yards. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's all you need. Do you? And they might find it in a remnant section, and uh, and hopefully that'll hook you up, and you'll be good to go with. I mean, God, I remember it being fairly cheap, like eighteen a yard. Uh, yeah, certainly cheap can compared. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. So uh, you know, definitely check Joanne. They might get something just as good in. And always uh, check about the SKU number whenever you're at a fabric store. I always say, assuming it's not something like 
Well, even WBL actually has some good uh, reference numbers, but yeah. there's yeah. a lot of uh, places in the fabric district they don't do a number system. Oh yeah, no, they have no idea. No idea. But if you're in a store like Joanne, they will, and always take a note of that, especially if you're not sure you need to check it again, or you love it and you want to get more of it. Um, it it's it's a lifesaver, absolutely. So let's uh, let's move a little further down. Let's get into the shirt. Ah, the shirt. The shirt, yes. One of the more distinct parts of the costume. Mm -hmm. And uh, if from kind of afar, it's almost like a kind of like just a slightly pinky textured shirt. But then kind of when you delve in there, the pattern's very distinct. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe like you were kind of on the forums when somebody discovered this, right? Yeah. Um, actually, the news broke on um, the Gallifrey Base forum. An eagle-eyed person, uh, I'm sorry I'm forgetting his uh, username right now, but I do credit him in the breakdown. Um, he uh, spotted that this was a shirt that JohnAnthony.com was offering by designer Paul Smith. It was PS by Paul Smith shirt. And uh, so here we go. Here's an off-the-shelf item for the doctor, which is actually somewhat kind of rare um, in a way. Well, it, it, rarer certainly than the companions. And uh, so here, here it was. Now, it wasn't exact. It had, like, a covered button stand, and it didn't have those distinct stripy cuffs. Yeah. But it was definitely the shirt. So uh, a lot of people jumped on it because it was already on clearance. Because um, this is what happens. You see these publicity set photos, and they're buying stuff from the season prior. And if you're lucky, you snag these things right as they're leaving the store. And most of these places are not going to restock. Uh, but, of course, there's an exception to this, which we'll get into later. Now, I got one of the John Anthony shirts and in, in the burgundy, or pink, as you called it. And I, I had it modified after the fact. Um, and now it does have the correct button stand and the, and the cuffs and everything. So it, it's, uh, it's great. And what's weird about mine is that these were very slim-cut shirts. So you generally had to go like a size up, at least, from what you normally wore. And when I ordered, it was already a bit of a mass. You know, everyone started buying these things. So I was forced to go with a triple extra large. Which, uh, <laughs> I have to say, I normally wear a large. Sometimes an XL, but usually a large. So I was really worried, oh, I'm going to have to have this thing really tailored. Well, as it turns out, I don't know if they mislabeled it, because I know that sometimes shirt makers will change the labels to meet a quota. Or if they're this slim cut. But uh, the XL fits me typically pretty well in the arms and in the body. The only part that gives away it's a triple XL is the collar's huge on me. Right. Um, so I've they even. They definitely have very fashion y cut. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, I have an XL in, uh, in one of the shirts, and uh, that actually fits me pretty nice. And what, what do you normally wear? Loose. I normally wear a medium. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. If one ever finds these shirts and it's the John Anthony version, <laughs> Order it probably two sizes up, you know, or at least make a note. I say order. If you find it on eBay secondhand, keep in mind if it's your size, it isn't really your size. Uh, very, very important to note that. But there are other variants of this shirt that came up uh, via um, uh, Steve Rick's blog. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the actual shirt itself is, um, you know, it's like a, a long sleeve with this kind of, they call it the scroll pattern. The scroll stripe, yeah. Um, kind of uh, long lines drawn, like the, the length of the shirt, but then these kind of wiggly lines drawn in between. And there's a uh, burgundy variant and a blue one. Right. Um, and both the ones that the Matt wears are, have these uh, striped cuffs, which are kind of like solid blocks of either the burgundy or the navy, um, again, with the kind of the squiggles and the in-between. 
Um, and so, yeah, so as you were saying, like, there, there have been kind of numerous ones that have kind of popped up. Um, different styles with like French cuffs or with short sleeves and you know so it, it seems like a lot of shirts were made using this pattern yeah a lot of variants and sold through different uh, websites and so on that there is a a version that pretty much is Matt's version with the right cuffs and the right button stand um, that was the one that was discovered on was it Toby.com Toby yeah yeah um, and a few of those occasionally come up on eBay and of course they tend to command pretty good money mm. keep in mind when these shirts were brand new being designer they were uh, oh boy I think around $210 maybe right. $220 and uh, I know a lot of people balked at that, but you're like, well, it's because most fans don't buy shirts like this. <laughs> yeah. Paul Smith shirts are not cheap. <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap, sadly. And uh, so most people were forced to go with alternates there. Um, it, these do occasionally come up on eBay. I do recommend anybody who really wants these, you know, check the forums for sales. Um, sometimes you'll find somebody willing to sell one off and also check eBay. Sometimes they don't even know what they have. So search for Paul Smith shirts, PS shirts, scroll stripe. Uh, I believe yeah. the pattern was actually called waves, but I don't think most people would actually identify it as that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, even if it's not dead on, you can always have it tailored a little bit to fit what it is on screen. If it doesn't have the stripey cuffs, I recommend, uh, there's some really fantastic patterns on spoonflower.com that you can have these things custom, uh, reprinted. And then you can have your, your cuffs completely redone at your local tailor. And that kind of brings us into like the, the close enough yes. um, aspect of things. And one of one of the the, be- the great things you can do for this shirt is um, yeah, uh, there there are very, very close versions of these patterns available on Spoonflower. So you can go on, have a couple yards of the fabric printed, and then take them to a tailor and uh, have them do your shirts using the pattern. Mm-hmm. So you can get kind of as close as possible to you know the the, the real thing. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and I, I recommend everyone to use well the standard shirting cotton on there is poplin, but in terms if anyone's owned the real shirt, I can tell you that cotton is extremely light. So I actually recommend going to one of the two lighter options, the Kona cotton. Actually, I liked a lot, so I would do that. Yeah, you order two or three yards, probably three to be safe you order your cuff you have to get that separately maybe a yard or a half yard of that and then uh yeah have it made and you know i mean a custom shirt will probably run you i don't know depends on your tailor but you know somewhere between 150 and 200 dollars. sure and i know that's a lot of money but again that's what you'd spend if you bought it new yeah off the shelf yeah exactly yeah. and you're not able to buy one off the shelf and you're not able to buy one off the shelf now <laughs> so that's kind of where you're stuck if you want to go as close as possible there are some other most people i know if they don't have it they live with a general striped shirt um, and then, of course, there's the extremely ambitious members of the forum I've seen uh, who actually hand draw the little scrolly stripes into their yeah, shirts. That's and to them than me, that was. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I have a. It's, it's strange. It's like there is a part of me that goes, wow, I have a lot of admiration for that level of detail. But then I go, wow, but the carpal tunnel they must have yeah, gotten. That's the, the dictionary definition of labor of love there. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, the only other footnote to the PS shirts is the fact that due to a certain amount of demand, these were reissued. I think this is the only time this kind of happened, right? Mm. At least for a doctor costume. Uh, actually, one other time, but we're going to get to that. Someday. We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that later. So this was uh, this was kind of a big deal that um, these shirts were mo- mostly sold in the spring of '09. Yeah, yeah. And then Paul Smith, thanks to a certain amount of demand, and people figured out that they supplied the shirt. Yeah, and it, I think like it, it was um, there was a bit of talk around the time of like you know oh Doctor Who gets fashiony, and they were talking about right. like you know kind of 
um, Doctor Who kicking off this new like kind of like heritage clothing trend with a lot of like tweets and like old school fabrics being used and that being very like in. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with kind of like the boots and the roll ups as well. I know like I've been seeing like a lot of that, you know, in kind of the more like fashiony um, websites. But uh, yeah, so so Paul Smith, we're obviously enjoying some notoriety from having provided this shirt and uh, announced that they were going to do another run of these, which of course got us all in a lather and all of us were yeah. very, very excited. We about thought it. it was a victory for us fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, when it happened, like they looked great on the website, everybody ordered them and when they arrived, it was slightly strange because they were almost exactly like the originals. But not quite. Yeah, you were getting a very good shirt. Um, and certainly it's nice that it came from the same manufacturer, but there were differences. I remember those. Yeah, the, the collar was slightly different. The uh, the cuffs had, instead of like, you know, kind of two buttons on the cuff and then one slightly further down the sleeve, they had like five buttons all the way up there, which mm-hmm. <laughs> seems completely unnecessary. But it was like, I, I had a look around their website and there was another like white shirt that they had made to that exact pattern and I was like that's really strange instead of making the shirt to the pattern that they used before they just whacked in one of their other shirt patterns and, and made it with the uh, the scroll fabric yeah it was more standard sizing it wasn't the slim sizing of the John Anthony now am I right in thinking they only offered a small to large or was there an XL in there too I think there might have been an XL I know they always listed it but it was always out of stock mm. Which always had me wondering, do they ever do that? Or yeah, do they, yeah. Yeah. So they only had a few sizes available. I remember a lot of guys who were like 2 and 3XL were very upset they couldn't order one. And um, I do recall also that the, the fabric they used, while it seemed to be the same pattern, was a lighter it color. Was, it was a slightly different color, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the, the white in the background was a slightly uh, yellower, like lighter shade of white. Mm-hmm. And uh, the burgundy was not quite as heavy. Right. On the shirt. So, yeah, it was uh, altogether kind of a strange one. I mean, you got to assume that, like, they produced the original fabric. They must know where to get more of it exactly the same. But, yeah, just, a, you know, I mean, obviously fantastic. I mean, like, really, really great, like, I mean, it, it, you can't even really call it close enough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so close it hurts. It's uh, it's really, I think it almost qualifies as another variant of the Paul yeah. shirt, really. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, moving on to the bow tie. Ah, uh, the bow tie. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, so burgundy bow tie is this kind of... Um, uh, you. You want kind of like a you, you don't want to get like a um, like a full size bow tie. You want something like pretty slim. I mean, I think like pretty much like a two inch width is you know the the maximum you want to go with for uh, for season five. Right, but you don't want a super slim tie either. No, no, no. You don't want to go below that. Like I think I think like two inches is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so the the kind of the agreement around the internet. I don't know if I would a hundred percent put my foot down on this mm-hmm. but the agreement is that the uh, the burgundy bow tie comes from um, swagger and swoon <laughs> okay which is a uh, a website that specializes in bow ties and braces right right um or suspenders um as we call them here yes <laughs> uh yeah so and it's a kind of a satiny burgundy um bow tie e <laughs> and this thing. was a uh this is a pre-tie bow tie pre-tie bow tie yeah nice clip on for those of us who are too lazy to learn to tie a correct bow tie. Yes. Yeah, very <laughs> makes easy. It, makes it very easy. Um, 
Yeah, so so that one that one comes from there, and that's like pretty easy to like. Hey, you can just buy them from Swagger and Swoon, and I think like they're, you know, kind of if it's not the one that they used, it's extremely close, and you know, will do you really well. The, the blue one again, like never a hundred percent identified. Um, people found a very very similar one on the Topshop website at one point um, that was uh, a different color. But we never proved that the uh, no. blue one came from there. Okay. No, exactly. Yeah, there was no. There was, nobody ever like found you know something on eBay or you know we there was never like a found one that could verify that. But the that is the current theory. Gotcha. Now I know that uh, the suspenders are also swagger and swoon, or at least that is the accepted belief that they are swagger and swoons. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, you want to go really slim on the suspenders. They're like one inch wide, right? silver hardware, uh, and you want a adjustable X back, um, which means that the uh, suspenders kind of cross over in the back and uh, you've got like two clips for um, the back of your pants. Instead of the Y look with a single clip in the back exactly, of the pants. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, it's funny. I mean, suspenders are not exactly hard to find, of course, and there are a lot of different places you can get them. But to get them nice with that right color and the right width with those silver clips, yeah, I really haven't seen many outside of Swagger and Swoon. So that's why I'm a I'm a believer that that is where they might have sourced them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like yeah, the, the Swagger and Swoon ones, it's it's they're, they're not that expensive. I mean, you got to import them from the UK, so shipping's kind of a little little expensive. But, I mean, they, they're definitely one of the easiest and least expensive parts of this entire costume. Indeed. And that goes for the blue and the burgundy. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those, both of those are available and, and, and really great from Swagger and Swoon. Trousers. Trousers. Um, yes. Uh, we talked about this just a little bit at the start. But, yeah, the, uh, the trousers that he wears in Season 5 are the um, skinny houndstooth uh, jeans from uh, Top Man. Uh, I believe it's called a dog's tooth. Right? A dog's tooth, yes. Because yeah. yeah. it's very, very tiny and fine. Yes. Uh, we're, I, I've been looking around the, the Topshop website and the stuff for a while. I'm like, they have some stuff described as dog's tooth, some described as hound's tooth, some as puppy's tooth, uh-huh. which I assume is the tiniest. That must of be, the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is this like a size ranking thing? You go from puppy <laughs> to dog to hound. Maybe. Dependent yeah. on Maybe. the size of the tooth. Uh, I know that it, it's not only is it uh, a tiny um, uh, houndstooth technically, mm-hmm. but it's such a strange, um, subtle color change between the two. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's from a, a, a dark gray to a slightly less dark gray. Yeah, um, but from a distance, uh, it's difficult to even make out the pattern, and you just think it's like a faded black. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They look like a washed black. Yeah, kind of almost like a chino. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, and, and these uh, kind of like the uh, the the Paul Smith shirts are very very slim cuts. Yeah. So if you are lucky enough to be able to like find a pair, you want to go like up, you know, at least one waist size from from where you would be. Uh, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because if you get your standard size, you'll fit into them, but you'll feel like you're squeezing into a tube of toothpaste. And, yeah, yeah, it's not flattering. And and if you look at how it wears on Matt, there is a little bagginess to yeah. the skinny cut. So exactly, and even around the waist, you can see like they kind of gape away a little bit, and like, yeah. they're they're being like very much held up by the suspenders and not right. like his waist. So yes, I agree. Definitely go a size up on your uh, on your waist, if not maybe even two. It depends on your build. Uh, and then you just roll up as accordingly. So it actually, the length almost doesn't matter. You can yeah. A, have it hemmed, or B, just you're rolling them anyway. So yeah. not a big yeah. deal. Now, also, those- if you're lucky enough to find a pair of these pants. So. 
<laughs> You're doing something right. Very true. Very true. They uh, they sold out fairly quickly once they were ID'd. And but interesting, one of the least expensive items, uh, I, comparatively, <laughs> if the, you got them at the time. <laughs> if you got them at the time, they were eighty dollars. I yeah. remember that. Um, and they were pretty widely available when they were discovered as well. Yes. Yes. There was a decent window to get them. I seem to recall it being at least a couple of months. Which I'm sorry, in internet terms, is like an eternity. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, now the great thing is, uh, if you didn't get a pair of those, um, the close enoughs on that are fairly easy to get a black or faded black pair of skinny jeans almost yeah. a ton of other makers make them and as long as you have that silhouette you're pretty much okay you don't have to have that fu- it's great as a fan to have that extra little bit yeah. of uh, you know minutia yeah uh, yeah i mean i i almost feel like um if you get a pair of like top man chinos mm-hmm. like they actually do a chino pattern which is um very close to um to the same ones that they made for these because mm-hmm. they're they're not cut exactly like jeans right and uh, yeah it, it's way more of kind of like a lightweight cotton fabric that they're made out of right so um yeah I, I think like that's a great option as well if you get like a pair of those like skinny chinos it's it's similar cut similar fabric like right it'll give you like a good look for it and also like when his are turned up you can see it's the same fabric on the inside whereas when you turn up denim it's much lighter on the inside right right so but yeah i mean it's it's totally different strokes you can choose what you prefer uh but yeah oh but doesn't he also wear an alternate pair of trousers uh later on in season i'm five? glad you mentioned that okay um there's a couple of episodes in season five um the lodger and uh victor of the daleks where he can be seen wearing a uh, slightly different pair of pants. And again, like far more, um, uh, kind of more like kind of classic, like slacks right. rather than, but still in this very, very skinny cut right. that, that seems to work well on Matt, uh, Matt. And again, those are from Topshop. Um, they were, I can't remember what the, uh, the exact, um, I have it ID'd on the breakdown. They were basically like a, like a gray skinny trouser or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And I remember that that's another thing that it's more of a gray, but it photographs again, like the sort of washed out super charcoal. I mean, they're not, I mean, it's funny watching the episodes you don't, they don't jump out at you as being different trousers. No, no, you kind of need to, yeah, you need to be like looking for it when, yeah. uh, when you're there. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things where almost like, uh, when, when you are wearing that variant, if you're somewhere that isn't Gallifrey, people can be like, oh, oh, you couldn't find the right trouser. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the larger variant. Yes, yes. You didn't know? Come on. Where have you been? Um, yeah, I know. That's that. Then that gets into minutia level of, of what fans expect. And and, uh, and, and we're almost going to have to do a whole podcast on this, but uh, knowing your venue. Yes. And yeah. where to wear what exactly. and, and where to get the reaction you want. Exactly. But that's, that's, we'll delve into that at another time. Sure. So should you choose to do, um, to do this variant, um, there's a fantastic pair um, readily available at American Apparel. Oh, great. Um, mm-hmm. Similar, like pretty much the exact same cut, color, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need to do is, uh, these ones have more of a, a, a kind of well-pressed, kind of classic hem on them. It's not like a roll, mm-hmm. um, much like the season six pants. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that covers trousers. Now we're on to the boots. Oh, the boots. The boots. <laughs> ah. Another part of uh, Matt Smith's costume that on first glance, super easy. Yes. And then when you start digging and you want to get it like just right, 
really, really hard to as, deal with. As always, devil is in the details. That's that's the mantra. But uh, yeah, uh, wow. Just getting a decent pair of kind of uh, retro ankle boots. Yeah, easy. Not a problem. Uh, heck, even some decent work boots will get you by. Or work shoes, if you depending mm. on the trousers you're wearing. Again, yeah. I'm a big believer that most people are not going to look at your feet in a cosplay unless they're glaringly wrong yeah you know if you're wearing day glow orange moon boots <laughs> you've gone very very wrong or you rock up in like Def leopard like white tannies right um which would be kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> um so and- so yeah so the boots that he does wear um again this was one that the the you were kind of there for Yes, um, uh, this this the, yeah this broke on uh, Gallifrey Brace. Identify that these boots were actually the um, All Saints boots, the um, uh, layer boot to be specific. And uh, of course, these were sold in the spring. And by the time this was discovered, they were on clearance, both on the website and in the um, All Saints shops. So uh, a few lucky people were able to call around and, and get a few pairs um, and uh, prove that, yes, indeed, these were the boots. Although that isn't strictly, strictly, strictly true, but that essentially these are the boots. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. So uh, what I did was uh, I just uh, hovered on that All Saints site because, of course, they were kind of sold out. And I needed a, a European 45, which is equivalent to a US 11. And uh, I remember that basically every once in a while, they'd get another random pair back in stock. I don't know if this is returned from a store or returned from a customer, God knows what. And suddenly one day in September... Uh, a month after we thought they were long gone, uh, there was a pair listed, and I clicked on it, and t- lo and behold, not only did they have a pair in my size, they had it, they were already on a clearance uh, level, it was on like another sale clearance, so it was uh, even cheaper oh, oh, man. than the standard cheap it was at. So, now granted, I say cheap, it's all comparative, I think after shipping I paid, uh, I don't know, about $120, but that was a deal compared to what they cost new. Yeah. So, and I remember the, oh my God, I remember ordering those boots and being all happy, like, yeah, it made a big score. And all my coworkers were looking at me weird, like, who cares? <laughs> ordered a pair of boots. I do it all the time. I'm like, no, we don't understand. They're like, bad Smith boots. And, uh, and then I get a call from the, uh, the, the All Saints people saying, like, oh, we have an issue. I'm like, no, they didn't really have it. And I get on the phone with them, and they're like, no, 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 we just need to confirm, like, your address and something for customs. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. I have never in my life had a, a retailer call me to confirm my details for customs and to confirm my order. They, right. had to, they had to confirm exactly what I ordered. Wow. I'm like, yeah. I thought, boy, that's weird. <laughs> and they had said that if I hadn't called them back, I mean, I had to do this whole transatlantic call to do this. Yeah. If I hadn't called them back in 24 hours, my order would have been canceled. Oh, shit. Yeah. Man, that would have sucked. It would have totally sucked. So I actually believe that they, that I don't know, my, my conspiracy theory was that there was someone else who maybe was a friend of someone at the store site who said, I really want a pair of these boots because I love yeah. Matt Smith. And they said, shoot, some guy just ordered it, but I know a sneaky way to probably try to right, get it. Right. And unfortunately, I called in the time. <laughs> like, He's in America. He'll never call in 24 hours. Well, <laughs> uh, they underestimated the power of a major Doctor Who fan. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I have my boots. They're wonderful. They're great. They fit like a charm. And they have a, a lot of, um, again, like every piece of this costume that you think is very kind of plain have a lot of character when you yeah. see it up close. So, yeah, I mean, these are pretty standard boots except for the uh, the top kind of cuff to them they uh, they're kind of like a washed black leather but the top cuff is in this brown leather yeah almost as if you were wearing two pairs of boots <laughs> hence the term layer boot um, 
So the important thing to remind everyone is that although the All Saints were the base, uh, he didn't actually ever really wear the All Saints in the show, right? It was only for publicity? I think he may have worn them in Flesh and Stone. Okay. uh, In Time of Angels. Okay. Oh, kind of the whole Harris Tweed jacket kind of thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, like, then they started making... Copies. Copies. I may be wrong on that. I'm not sure. Well, prevailing theory is that, at least for the bulk of Series 5, he wore not actual All Saints, but he wore All Saints copies of these boots, which are almost the same. People were, I remember noting it even in uh, uh, Hungry Earth. Hmm. Where you'd see him jump up and There's down. There's that great shot, the boots and that, yeah. Yeah, and they actually look kind of all like one color. Mm. And they were like, wait a minute, is this like a new sort of brown version of these boots? And, you know, we all figured, well, they're probably copies, and we were right. Yeah, and there was that weird like red herring with the um, the Season 5 toys, where the uh, the Blue Doctor shirt variants uh-huh. that they had um, came with painted brown boots. Interesting. So we were all convinced that... Um, he was going to have different boots. Uh, but in fact, these are all copies made by theatrical shoemakers in England uh, who can make you your very own copy uh, of these boots. I have all the details on the 11th Doctor um, breakdown on the DW Cosplay site. Uh, but basically, you go to Steve Ricks's blog, which is all about the 11th Doctor uh, costume, 11thdoctorcostume.blogspot.com, and uh, he can totally help you out with this. They're, again, they're not cheap, but they are wonderful boots. No, and you get them custom made to your size. Exactly, can't argue with that. You have a pair, don't you? Um, no, actually, mine are the Durants. Oh, I have a pair of season six boots. That's what I meant. Them. Sorry, and uh, you know, I know that they fit you great. So. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, right, so that's pretty much the boots. And again, finding close enoughs is is not a problem. I do have a ton of alternates listed on the breakdown, uh, which and, and there's always new ones coming up. Oh, oh. Fun. Ah, we mentioned this earlier. There is one more company who uh, reissued their product, possibly due to demand from Doctor Who fans, and that is All Saints with the uh, the cropped layer boots, which is almost a layer boot but cropped. It's almost exactly the same, but with one less eyelet. There you go. Uh, but it is literally, if you look at it, almost the same exact uh, boot styling and the the color differential on the lip and everything. So yeah. yes. You can now get yourself uh, a, a wonderful pair of just about accurate Series 5 11th Doctor boots direct from All Saints, although it's only available on the American website. Yeah, strangely. Mm-hmm. And uh, how much do they run for? Uh, I believe around like 200 bucks. Yeah. So, yeah, or you can wait for them to go on sale. I'm sure that'll eventually happen. Yeah. And uh, there you have it. The Watch. The Watch. Yeah, the Watch is um, another like. Almost impossible to find the exact one, but nice and easy to find a... Uh, close enough. Close enough, yeah. Uh, there's a, a lovely shot of it in the lodger as he checks the time, and uh, you can tell it is a, is a vintage watch with an expandable gold band. Uh, I list a number of potential alternates on the breakdown, but uh, I believe the prevailing theory is that it was uh, a Timex, a vintage Timex. Oh, I think somebody was talking about it being like a, a Bulger or Bulva or something. Basically, you're looking for... I, I highly suggest for anyone trying to find this watch, uh, you know, use the screen cap and just go through eBay. And the trick that I do is don't just look for vintage watches because you're competing with vintage watch collectors, <laughs> which can make things crazy. Don't worry about the band so much. If you can get it with the band, great, but you can always get that replaced. Uh, just look for a watch that's got that you know round face and uh, kind of, uh, it's gold, but that, that kind of off silver kind of face. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's kind of it's a weird like kind of like dirty dark. There gold. you go. Yeah, and uh, just look for something vintage, and preferably, you know what? Look for something uh, that's uh, being for sold that's broken or for parts, and you'll get it cheaper. And maybe even check lots. Maybe you know you get extra extra watches you don't need. But you get the one you want, maybe you can sell the others off later, or maybe it'll work for another doctor, you never know. So that's my general recommendation. I think I scored mine all together for, you know, around 20 bucks on eBay, and then I did the band for like another 10. Um, and the band, the band I had done it like a watchmaker, but occasionally you get lucky again on eBay and get it with the right band with the expansion no. gold watch. Well, of course, famously, there's the Fez. Yes, yes. Hat-wise, Season 5 is all about the Fez yes. from uh, the Big Bang. Um, the Fez actually, the, the actual, the, you know, screen accurate Fez, really easy to find. You can get them on Amazon for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Don't buy the really red one that has the, uh, the, the long yellow tassel. You want the uh, more burgundy looking one with the little like nub tassel. There you go. Yeah. No, finding a Fez, uh, that's like that or certainly close. Very easy, very cheap. With From what hair tips on how to cover that Matt Smith do? Yeah, uh, which is tough, which is tough. I don't think any of us have cracked it. (laughs) Matt Smith's hair is pretty unique to Matt Smith. Legendary hair. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of, it's it's almost kind of like more of like a a vintage kind of a haircut because it's... um, you know, it's, it's pulled back, and the season the season five hair is very different to the season six hair. It's more disheveled. Yeah, season five is this very kind of like naughty schoolboy looking thing, where it's kind of this like swoop over, and it's all kind of in his eyes, and um, very kind of like messy. Yeah, a little messy, totally. Yeah. Um, where season six is very kind of like it's pulled back, it's very refined, it's you know, it's cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah. Upside down and using a lot of mousse. Upside down. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, yeah, hair, hairspray and mousse. There you go. Yeah, pomade probably won't cut this one. No. <laughs> you got to do a combo. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I wonder if the doctor has like space uh, hair, hair mousse in his uh, TARDIS somewhere, <laughs> which is a whole episode unto itself. Yeah. Well, makes you wonder. Uh, all right. So that, I think, pretty much wraps up the Series 5 costume. If anyone has... Uh, any additional questions, you're welcome to, uh, you know, write me or comment. Uh, also, as I say, please check out the 11th Doctor Series 5 breakdown on dwcosplay.com. Uh, if you go to the uh, journal um, user info and memories, you'll see a ton of great um, entries on different doctors and companions. And there is a Series 5 11th Doctor entry that covers everything we talked about and more with uh, tons of great photos. And, um, yeah, that's about all we can say about that. So, um um, all right. Well, that's awesome. A little closing. So thank you for being on, Ewan. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Costume Shop Talk at Costume Station Zero.